0: and Randy knows on this train wreck today, and they are jizzing over BBSs. (laughs) (laughs) This all started off because I mentioned uh, Jason Scott to Randy here, and he, you know, had to explain who he was, and as soon as I did, he remembered, and was like, yeah, he had, you know, information of mine up there, but it was wrong. And it kicked off a discussion about, Edison Star and the uh, history of it. You want to sure. run
1: down the quick history of uh, Edison Star? Sure, Edison. Well, early on, uh, shoot, back in the what late '80s, you know, I ran a bulletin board. Uh, one of my first computers was a Coke. Uh, no, not a Coco, but it was a Tandy, and I ran Searchlight, and I had a Bolton board called um, Edison's Workshop running Searchlight BBS, and <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Edison. And the Bolton board metamorphosized from running Searchlight into running um, PC board from another sysop who didn't want to keep running the system, system. And I changed the name to Edison Star, because his Bolton board was called CalStar. And so just to kind of signify the merging of the two. But we – I pretty much – you know, I used to run different doors. That was part of the challenge of running the Boulder Board for me because the way the BBS is ran.
0: Let me ask a question before you get too much in there. How did you originally get into running a BBS?
1: Um. Oh, good Lord. That's – I found out you could do it, and I found out that there was, well, I guess basically because I had a, a, a computer that had a 1.44 floppy, and that was enough room to run searchlight on it. And <laughs> I just started running the bulletin board off the 1.44 floppy, or hold it, it was 720. And because uh, there's people that had Coca, or Coco's or Commodore's that were, you know, much smaller disks. But that was enough room to start the BBS and the message spaces until I got a hard drive later on. But I, I, I don't know. It was just something curious to do, something I figured I found out that I could do. And I started doing it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, so I did it for almost about going on five to six years from start to finish.
0: Now, what software did you – you said you ran Searchlight. That was the core of your BBS?
1: Right. Search SLBBS. Um, Searchlight DBS was what I started off with and what was unique about Searchlight at the time was that it allowed full anti-editing for anyone that had a, a, IBM or IBM emulator in the terminal so you could actually cursor back up to, uh, the top of the paragraph that you had three or four lines in there and, and fix your spelling. They're, they weren't so, uh, the the BBS didn't have spell checkers built in them. Uh, you, the user there could check the screen if they had something, some of those utilities. But there weren't um, – there wasn't a whole lot out there at that point in time, you know, not like today. As far as the uh, – uh, it was all plain, you know, 80-column text and screens. Uh, what was it 80 columns by uh, – 80 by I 25, 40? I think. Was it oh, no, there it, it was eighty by forty. I think is a standard screen, if, if I remember right. Which uh, there's forty columns wide, but that was for for like Commodores. Those are the the old uh, Atari. Those were forty columns. Whereas IBM's the standard eighty columns. And so yeah, there's also going in eighty column mode or forty column mode when you're reading or or writing to the DBS. Way of formatted text.
0: so if I'm understanding part of what you're saying there back in that time you know searchlight was kind of unique in that you could you know scroll back and edit things whereas other ones you might have to go back you know just delete everything to where you wanted to fix it and start over
1: sure sure yeah like control you had to use control characters uh, once you what you got done with it uh, your uh, 80 columns or 40 columns once you hit Enter on that line, that line was there, and so if you want to go back and edit, it was really hard to do that for an on, on IBM. Say, um, if you're using an IBM on a Commodore BBS, you still had to go back and edit it the old, old way, and the Commodores were stuck to text mode on the IBMs unless they had an ANSI emulator or the Atari emulators, and early on it was pretty much just straight text. You hit return, carriage return. That was there. So unless you did, deleted the message, and started over. And all this is at 300 baud or 1,200 baud, which <laughs> waiting for the screen to re- re-scroll and refresh was uh, very painful sometimes.
0: Now, Downer, you also ran a BBS at one point, didn't you?
2: Yes, I did. I had a... Uh I had run a, a modified renegade and stuff. I got into it kind of late, actually. Um, hold on one second. Uh, hello? Hello? i got a package for you. Okay, the communities. <clears throat> um... Yeah, when I got into it, and I wasn't really a message board BBS either. I was a filed BBS, so it was a little bit different, but cool at the same time, I guess. all uh, right The scene was completely different by the time I got there. And when I first got into it, I was just a a, a random user for a long time, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna play with this and I decided to put a couple of my own up at over time I did like two or three different ones. As uh you kinda get involved in different scenes because at that time, you know, there was uh an art scene and then there was like a literature scene where you're writing you're sharing you're sharing like more like easy. And uh then there was always uh you know, your wares, your uh pirate boards. I got into that too. Now, um,
1: Randy,
0: now we've glossed over this. You said you ran a two-node BBS. Is that correct?
1: But when I was done with it, yeah, it was two nodes. I was mainly, um, I had a few shareware, freeware files, but it was mainly for uh, messaging. I was involved with two different message networks, and, you know, users are fairly more verified uh, also. I wanted to point out that it, the anonymity of the, of the uh internet wasn't quite as much because you, you knew who your users were or you verified them so you had a little bit better information um, you know if you got an email with an attachment you knew where it came from but um, yeah I had two notes you can actually go into chat mode if two people are on there if I was there three of us could get in there and chat at the same time
2: now
0: do you remember like the most unique location you ever got a call into your BBS from
1: The most unique rotation,
0: where like the most unique phone number you ever saw pop up, like Australia or something like that.
1: Oh, um, no, I I wasn't. No, because I wasn't really a a large board. Because with the way the networks was, I was more or less a sub node, and so I I, I had a couple. A sub, a sub node. I was a node off the network. Um. You know, because the main network, for both of our um, message spaces, I was running this on the West Coast in California, and we exchanged, my computer in the middle of the night would call up a friend of mine's computer, um, he who lived, say, 200 miles away or an hour away, um, to exchange messages in the middle of the night because the rates were cheaper then. And his computer would call up the main system in... I'm just going to use Intellica for a reference because I don't recall the other one. But his was called the main system that had about 300 other computers calling into it uh, total. And usually it was a tier of about four or five computers off of that. So say the main one had 10 guys calling in there, and there was, say, 10 off of that, and maybe five little subnodes. But if you exchange messages twice a night or twice a day, you could you could get your email delivered Usually within forty-eight hours, twenty-four depending on when someone, you know, sent and received their email. And
0: people bitch now that it takes an hour to get an email sometimes.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it was still faster than the U.S. Postal Service, but no one, there weren't that many people that were doing it. You know, doing email. You know, we're talking. I was doing email. Other people that that did email thought about it as AOL or CompuServe because those were the big main systems that, that existed. That in that era. All
0: right, and Downer, how many uh, node did you run? I was only ever one. Now, did you? Is there like a most unique phone number that sticks out? Because from my understanding, the file share stuff was a lot different than just your messaging ones.
2: Yeah, well, um, you have to think generally in a in a where's board. Uh, you don't really want to share it too much unless you're comfortable with people. So unique numbers weren't really common, you know? I mean, that's at the point where, you know, just in order to get on the board, you you needed a password often. You know, I had a new user password, so if you wanted to go in and you just randomly happened upon the B V S name and phone number, you would still have to know someone on the board in order to get in. You would need that new user password just to accept the application process, and then On top of that, a lot of the time, you know, because all the people are are also, uh, like, you know, aware of the community, there was also a new user voting where uh, if you apply, you know, you still have three or four days before you can be approved because the users have to approve you. Now, did you also um, have a – I guess
0: the best way I could describe it at this point is using the uh, Torrent analogy of a seed rate, a what?
1: Where you had to
0: upload so much before you could download it so much.
2: Um, I didn't. I didn't take part in that, but a lot of boards did. Yeah, they they forced sharing. No, I would. I would just let it go for free.
0: Now, how did most boards work that in the time?
2: I did. Um,
0: from your experience, at least.
2: It depends. I mean, you can configure it however you want. You can have it file for file. Where, uh, you know, especially at the time it was okay because if you do it by like K, by how much K you're uploading, kilobytes, you're gonna get, you're gonna get screwed at some point. Because then it's, especially on a single node board, you wanna dull it down by file for file. If you upload a, uh, an e-zine, you know, you can download one file of anything else. Um, you see that happen often just because, that one node is going to be tied up for a long time if you're downloading a good program. You know? Instead of... Are you my, using,
1: huh? Are you, are you using the normal dial-up phone to do this, Downer, or modem?
2: Oh, yes. This is at the time. I would have started a BBS would have been 14.4, and eventually graduated to 28.8 and then uh, by the time fifty six K rolled around, man, that, was, that that shit was all over. Right. Everybody was. That was by the top. By that time, you know, everybody's using Linux, and and you know, maybe a couple teleguard boards popped up every here and there, but everybody was pretty much done um, dealing with anything because BBS just started to die out.
1: Oh yeah, well my my users wanted to get online and do email, and you know the internet got big and. I was doing mine for free, and I'd had a computer tied up for five years. Um, I was hitting burnout, and you know, I, I was a free board, but I accepted donations. I got maybe $14 a year in donations average. Um,
2: nice.
1: 15, so it just—it was a hobby, and it was a learning experience for me, and uh, I was kind of happy to to be able to turn it off at one at the time. Because everyone wants, you know, the Internet was out there and people wanted access to stuff that I didn't have access to anymore, or easy access without well, paying for it. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, it's having a pirate board in, or, or a foreign board, which we had plenty of those back in the 80s and 90s too. Those were the ones that were paying for it. People would Basically, you'd have sysops that would scan porn pages or, or uh, porn magazines and, and put put up 50 new images a day, and so people were spending money on the porn. Porn was was still big on, on the computer, and it's just as strong then as it is today.
0: So oh, even yeah. before the Internet, the telephones were for porn?
1: Oh, absolutely. it um, my ex-wife and I had a lengthy – um discussion that I lost, which probably was a good thing. because uh, I wanted because I knew it's just off that was pulling down six hundred dollars a day or a month running his BBS. He was making a profit running his BBS because he had porn on it. And I said, Well, shoot, I could do this if I just put this porn on here. We don't we don't want that, you know. We don't you you're not gonna do that. And so it was made clear to me that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't so I didn't. You know, had I, had I been jingled, I probably would have. Um, but my, my ex-wife, uh, so and in some respects, the stuff that I was involved with, there's two different styles of BBSs. Mine was more of the, the squeaky cleaner one, which, you know, even us were hypocrites. But that's, yeah, but that's how it looked and, and felt when you got there. But not to say I didn't have pirated software. Or I, I didn't ever have a porn file. You know, I, but the BBS was squeaky was clean for the church folk,
0: I guess. You kept it as clean as you could, at least.
1: Yeah, well, you know, if there's there's message areas, you know, uh, profanity wasn't uh, around in most of the the message spaces, because for me, to ver- our verification was my, my computer would call someone's phone number right back. I used uh, a utility that would Verify a phone number, and that would go with that username. And if someone wanted more than one account, say there was a family, um, they would, you know, I, they would have to send me a message, and I'd have to uh, upgrade the other user. But it, that's how we verified who people were. Um, and the message areas that I used with, would,
0: use with would you explain the verification process that you used? Because you said you had a utility that would call the user right back, but what would happen from there?
1: After, well, they, when they called up to register their name, they'd have to put in a phone number and my computer would hang up on them <laughs> and call them right back. And they, it, the terminal would come up and type in, uh, you know, hello or some sort of message right there, or just, you know, make sure they got a connection with another modem immediately. And then it would upgrade them to a minimal level, and I, I could upgrade it to a little bit higher level for time. Basically, it was just time, and certain message areas, because um, this, being a message PBS, you know they, they tried to keep everything clean and everything verified. So the information we got for online was a little bit better. Uh, the way people treat each other was a little bit more was some more respect. Because if you wanted to be stick around you had to uh, adhere to some, you know, common rules of decency, I guess. And what you you we we get in chat mode now and someone could just start going nuts and, you know, LRC and you can't boot them all the time.
2: Yeah. Callback verification was cool. The only problem is you run into that problem where if they live in Australia, you're going to get charged for that call, especially at that time. You know, well, uh, you know. right? When well, you on, you
1: full call at that point. You know. Well, well, you wouldn't. Have, I would allow it to call outside the U.S. You, you, we had a list of you know area codes that were allowed, or uh, and there's a list. And if it was the area code wasn't there or out out of country, you could leave the system a, ne- a message and. You know, if you talked to them via the message boards, you, you knew who they were. Because you could still send – I could still send a private message from my computer and through the network, end up as a private message on someone's computer in, in Australia.
0: Yeah. Now, if someone, if, just, if someone became a problem user, how the hell would you get rid of them? Did you just have a deny list that would deny calls from a certain number or –
1: yeah, you could do that. You you, you they, they you would deny them. They could, if someone really wanted to be a pain in the butt, um, you, you first you try to leave them a private message. So that'd be the first way of dealing with it. And if they continue to misbehave, you just cut them off. And say there's four or five other message areas or bulletin uh, boards say in your local area, they could still call on to one of those and get on and, and try to. To cause problems that way, but eventually they'd wear out their welcome and just they would be not denied until they had a different phone number to use.
0: Now, did yeah. you ever collaborate with other uh, sysops that they'd call you up and say, "Look, we've got this one user who's a real problem. You should probably just cut them out now and save yourself the grief," or would you?
2: No,
1: you had to wait. Basically, you, you couldn't. You couldn't block. We couldn't. We didn't do any kind of blacklisting like that. Um, you might get a call saying, be careful this person caused a problem for me, you know, and I kicked them off. But, see part uh, my message...
2: You can also, you could also set up access levels where, you know, if uh, somebody was a problem in, a, in the message board, you know, harassment, for instance, then, uh, you know, you just go and deny them access just to the message boards. And if there's still a problem, you sure. can deal with it appropriately as it goes.
1: Right, right, right. So there's yeah, a, there's there's, there's handle
2: it. Now, do you remember the name
0: of the uh, application you used for verification if anyone was interested in it?
1: Me? No, I don't. No, uh uh. Um, some BBSs probably started building some of that in there. It was it was one of the different call, uh, door utilities because towards the end I was running a PC. So it was a door that was compatible with PC boards. Um, and that's, off the top of my head, that's all I can come up with. I mean, we're talking, we're talking, what, 15 years ago? 20, almost 20 years ago? For me?
0: Yeah, for some of our listeners, that'll be a time before they even were, you know, existed.
1: Well, I realize that, yeah. Uh, well, hey, my, my, uh, oh, you gotta be kidding Hey, Downer, how
0: did you verify users, or did you even mess with that, pass um, the password?
2: Well, you'd have the password, and, you know, generally I never really had any problems. I mean, that you generally know everybody who's going to be on the board at some point, and, I mean, by the time I got into it, it was, like, a popular thing. Um, you know, that was when the Internet was, like, just budding, and, like, um, there was a local board in the area that started out, I remember so in the late 90s, early 90s even, uh, you know, 89, 90, 91. At that, at that point, there was a BDS that was uh, one or two nodes at first. It later jumped up into four, and this was a pirate board. This had a lot of, uh, um, you know, you go on there, you get your porn, you get your uh, your pirated software, all that kind of good stuff. And then all of a sudden later on, this board turned into ten nodes, fifteen nodes, twenty-five nodes, forty nodes, fifty nodes, and all of a sudden they had two hundred and fifty lines, and uh, we're providing internet for the whole community. Turned it so into a little
0: So what started out as the pirate BBS board became an, a local ISP.
2: Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, that's what. Well, well, flipping well, PPP access, and it became sure, a big well, thing. I- and I believe they're still in business.
1: Well, and that's how one—that's how one of my my friends who was a sysop that did the, the porn back where I lived in Redding, uh, in California, he started off with the porn. He was making two to three hundred dollars a month to six hundred dollars a month off the BBS. So he had the money to reinvest into the hardware, and he did. And he started an ISP.
0: All right, guys, we've added Avi to the call. Uh, Who's here? Hello.
2: Ready?
0: What's going on? Yeah. Uh, we've been uh, talking about BBS's to do for an episode of HPR. So. Wait, what? All
1: right, okay. I'm gonna have. All uh, right, you I got one, Randy. Ah, uh, that's at two twenty three. I'm next at two forty one. I got about another ten miles. Uh, do you have any last thoughts you want to say on BBS's,
0: man? Me? I don't have anything. Well, I've got one last question for both of you. Have either of you run into the uh, Ghost Town BBSs? The what? It's what I've heard it called, where, you know, people will track down these old numbers for BBSs and call them up and find out these things are still running even today, but no one's accessed them in, like, five years plus.
2: Oh, yeah, I think if you watch... I think if you watch the BBS documentary from Jason Scott, um, there was a guy that talked about running a BBS and and it was still running in someone's basement a couple years later. Everybody's forgotten about it. What is this BBS?
0: Excuse me. Uh, hey, either one of you gentlemen want to
2: explain a BBS for Avi? Uh, I'll let Randy do it because I'm making a
0: delivery.
2: Oh.
1: A BBS is basically back back in the day you used your computer with a modem and your computer dialed dialed up instead of used the modem as a phone line, dialed into another computer and you commu- communicated basically with text. Um it was the old way of it was the old school way of communicating with a computer.
2: Ah it was, okay. it
1: was a
0: precursor to uh, DARPA's, you know, network that later became the Internet.
1: Right. Well, the Internet has existed long before I ran my bulletin board, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was it wasn't accessible by the general public. Mine was a free VDS that connected other computers. Let's uh, see, Rime and had about 500 or 600 computers hooked up to its network, and IntelliC had about 300 for a message, and those are just message areas. And you could talk about, um, uh, well, you talk about batch files and programming, uh, basic, uh, bicycling. There is a bunch of different topics and message boards. Um, for me, a lot of it was just learning how to uh, learn, use the computer in different programs. Uh, and you, also, the part, of the part of it was having Shareware or freeware online to download for uh, the non-pirate boards and the pirate boards. Anything was available there. All right. That's well, but, but, but it's interesting to look back that you know I knew someone who had a porn board and they ran it. They turned into an ISP because they had the money to invest into it. Because and uh, you, you know Downer was talking about that and I was, you know. I, Heck, I wanted her to start up an ISP back then, but I didn't have the money.
2: Yeah. yeah. Too much money.
1: And, and well, right. look, I, I wanted to invest the money in it, and, uh, again, you know, the, my spouse thought it was crazy because I already spent $10,000 or so over five years on a computer, and this is just another crazy idea that Randy had that wasn't going to go anywhere. And I said, no, this is, this is the one I need. <laughs> so, anyway.
0: Alright guys. Well I think this will make a pretty good episode as it is, so I'm gonna jump off of here and I'll talk to you both soon again.
2: Bye,
1: right, Lord Draken Blue, you have a good one. I I I gotta yeah, I gotta hop off here and do the real thing and uh or do the do the, the work thing. So Alright.
0: Catch you later too, Downer.
2: Alright man, take
0: Thanks. it you. Later. Alright. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hack Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.